ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. From some of the best elk hunters in the world. Across the canyon, pop up the other side, and the wind is right at my back and blows right into it. I cut him off and say, I'm the baddest one, not you. I love it, man. I feel like I'm super blessed to call myself an elk hunter. To beat them at their game, to get them within that bow range, convincing them that I'm one of them. you got to close that distance really quick on him. And if he's going to engage that much, that's a dead bull. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast. Sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. Whether you're chasing bugles over the next ridge, sitting a stand out east, this is about passion. Pursuing our dreams of field, our lifestyle, the betterment of self and community, the enlightenment that comes from those moments spent in God's creation. Through these conversations, I hope you find insight, inspiration, education, and motivation to push beyond your limits. I give, I give great hugs. So, grab my, grab my buddy Joe. We just sit down. We we've had the conversation a couple times, and it came up in the seminar yesterday. And uh, I call it situational awareness, but I'm not sure that's actually the right thing to be saying because it's we create situations where we're in the elk woods and, and chasing these critters, and we don't. I don't think we're cognizant of exactly what we're creating before we go in and start that it could be a disaster if we're not watching that situation as we're walking in and understanding what's going on prior to us throwing either turmoil or starting something and right. creating that situation so i figure who else who else am i going to talk to about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i mean everything that we do that we introduce is a part of whatever is going to occur out there it's either going to be detrimental or it's going to be beneficial. It can actually be detrimental and then become beneficial if, and, and this is what I think you're talking about, if a person is able to understand and recognize the situation as it occurs and as it happens. That, that's part of my thought, uh -huh. right? As I think about it and as we talk and I start to, I guess, listen and evaluate these things. Right. Yes, we can understand what happens. Okay, you know, I, I busted this group of cows. I didn't see a bull. Right. Right? Right. I, I thought there was a bull with them, so maybe that's an opportunity. Right. Um, but so if that, I, that's one thing, right? So let's take that one, though, for example. Okay. And then you can go to the next one. So 
you, you've busted a group of cows. There's no bull with them. Now, we got to kind of set the stage even a little bit more. You know, what was the time of day? What was the time of year? So if I'm, if I'm busting a group of cows and it's like early September, right? Well, you know, we're still at a stage where those cows maybe probably haven't been picked up. They're still doing their thing like they have all year long. But, you know, we still have animals in the area that could help us out with that. Because what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with a group of cows that doesn't have a bull with them? Because you now, if you're hunting cows, that's a different story, right? But if I'm hunting a bull, what can I do with that? And it's September 5th. Well, number one, those cows are going to, if it's morning, right? And they're heading to a destination when you busted them. They're getting ready to show you something there. And now you have live scent in the air. You're traveling with the group. If you can manage to parallel them, listen to what they're doing, even listening to them as they're talking. Here's, here's where you have to be careful with something like that. A group of cows like that, prior to bulls picking them up and splitting things off and cows getting loose and going around, are intimate with each other. They know each other. They know each other's voices. So you got to be real careful about trying to become part of that environment or, and, and that's what we're talking about situational awareness, right? So if I'm in here and it's that time of year and it's that early and I try to become, you know, by injecting myself into the scene, I'm getting ready to blow it up. You know, especially if some calves in that group, like if these are mothers with calves and those ears come up and they're like, Whoa, you know, this is not somebody that we know, you know, now, if I was injecting myself with a lost calf call, that's a little different story. It's not going to intimidate the group. Again, situational awareness. But is my goal to bring these cows in? No. So my goal is basically to utilize this group because I'm getting ready to get I'm getting ready to get some info, man. Because they're going to move up and go to a bedding area. And it's probably going to be one of the same bedding areas that's going to be used for however many days. Plus, you got these animals moving through, and if they're being verbal while they're moving through, if they have calves, they're definitely being verbal. They're going to be doing that. You have a live chum on your hands. So if you're able just to stay downwind from these critters where you can hear them or you can even catch little glimpses through the trees and move along with them, you've got multiple things that can happen for you, and you have an incredible learning stage. Yes. So with that being said, we are always, I shouldn't say it like that, but I'm going <laughs> to. We are always too fast to respond. Typically, that means with the wrong response, because we're not evaluating those situations or our, or knowledge, isn't, yeah, our right. knowledge isn't high enough to where we're not understanding what we just experienced. Right. And then we resort to what we know, you know, I'm air quoting here, yeah. uh, what we know, and that usually means piping off bull sounds in that situation, yeah. right? And it's, and that's the part of it that, you know, listening to folks in the seminar ask the questions they're asking, and then hearing what people are asking as they're walking up to the booth, and it, it always goes right back, and then just hearing people piping off on the bugle tubes here, right? Mm -hmm. Bull sound, bull sound, bull sound. That's all I hear? Yeah. And it's like, and I'm wondering, like, why am I the only one that's not worried about, you know, I'm not, I don't care. I don't yeah. care. Like, it has its place, but there's more in that. And I learned that last season. I mean, we're talking about busting that group, right? While Dell and I were going up, we knew where a betting area was at. We had them the backside, had the win in our favor. 
Got to the top. What happens when you get to the top of a ridge with two he sides? He gets smaller. Gets smaller, mm -hmm. swirly winds. We busted them. Yep. They ran six foot off of my shoulder down the hill. I took stock in what was running. I watched where they went, right? And said, this is what I'm doing. And I went right into it. I went lost cow first to see mm -hmm. if I got a response. Mm -hmm. And what I got was the bull piping off. That told me, okay, he's right here. He's already walking into the bedding area where those cows were. Mm -hmm. So I hit him with the reassembly. And that's what drew him in. And why? And so this, this is the thing, man. Let's make sure people get educated. Why is a bull coming into you to a reassembly mew is what you're talking yes, about sir. using cow sounds That's using it. cow sounds that that bull has heard mm -hmm. since he was born man yep. so it's 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 like it's it's like this we're grown men right but when we go to our grandma's house and grandma says boy get over here mm -hmm. what do you do yes ma'am yeah right get your butt yeah, because we, I mean, we see grandma, we've heard that since we were kids mm -hmm. and no matter how, we could be 60 years old and grandma tells us, and we're back that youngster again, yep. doing as we're told. Same thing with your reassembly. So what, you actually had bulls in the area, even though you busted the cows out of there. Right. right? We, when I, when I knew when I didn't see the bull and when they were already hurting up, it was, you know, kind yeah. of the smaller bulls, the sats, they were, they were. And you had been hearing bulls. them already in the area or not? Yeah. We had yeah. Uh, a lot of vocalization going okay. on already. Right. So it was, it was a couple of days of gathering information and then mm -hmm. every night evaluating, evaluating that information mm -hmm. midday, talking to Brandon about what we experienced in the morning, where they were, what we saw. And we're sharing this, you know, I'm playing caller, he's shooter, but a lot of times he'll see something that I may not see. Right. You know, and, and I think that's what lends itself to that scenario. Right. But, but understanding what you're walking into, where you're at, what they were doing or what they were going to do. And why they would be doing why it. Why they would time. be doing it. Mm -hmm. And then when a situation goes left for whatever reason, sure. stop in a second. Don't just grab your daggum bugle tube and start cranking them off. Yep. Right? Think about it. Stop. Think about it. You, you've blown a situation or maybe you didn't blow a situation. Maybe they were, all, you know, from A to B and you caught them in the mid. Stop. Think about what you're doing. Understand the situation you're in or... The situation, like me and Brandon in that scenario, mm -hmm. that we created by getting winded by that by that cow-calf group, and then go from there. Right. And I, I think a lot of it, and I've done it, you rush into decision without setting back. And, and man, I can't say it enough times that, that me saying, I don't care, I'm going to just slow down and I'm going to learn, I'm going to evaluate, and then I'm going to respond. Mm -hmm. that, that paid so many dividends last season. And it, it allowed me to, you know, set back and say, okay, I, I'm never, I'll probably never do that again. And I'm not going to say what that is, right? It, it's almost criticizing certain things, <laughs> but I'm, I'm never going to do that again because it doesn't serve me in this pursuit. You know, it, it just. And, and, and I'll jump out for you. In other words, you're not going to be a ridge screamer, right? No. Yeah. I, and, and I don't think I, I shouldn't say that. Right. When, when I first started hunting elk, that, that Wyoming experience, 2018, I could not freaking wait to get in there and scream probably the worst bugle that's ever been in the woods. Right. But, and I, and I think that's, <laughs> well, you've seen it, you've heard it, you want to do it. Yeah. But you know I think I mean? that's what lends itself to this thinking is because I'm, I'm just itching, itching, itching to get in there and just scream a bugle. Well, 
the external came out and just a little cow call mm -hmm. and that bull started talking and it was just like, oh, wow. You know, that bull got arrowed and then, you know, we're I'm down later that day. I'm like, you know what? I'm just bugling and I just wanted to do it. And I heard how bad it was in the woods. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I never I never wanted to do it again until I improved my 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 talk. But, yeah, the ridge running thing. I mean, I, I guess there is a point where it serves it serves a purpose. No, it absolutely does. It's it. OK, so don't get me wrong with it, man. And, and that's where I have to be careful is is I'm. I'm, I'm not criticizing the ridge running, locating, and things like that. That is a tool. Mm -hmm. That's a tool. But the problem that I have is when people become one-dimensional, totally dependent on that tool. When guys start hunting bugles instead of hunting elk. And, and that's where I have it is that they've become so enamored with what they're seeing on videos and they think you know they see these bulls coming in with their i mean it's awesome when it happens mm -hmm. you know who doesn't or wouldn't want to experience that all of us want to experience that but what do you do when that game is not happening where do you go to next what's your go-to i mean we always talk about when we tell anybody about selecting hunting areas you don't put all your eggs in one basket man right you got to have a plan a b c d e you know, because if the animals are not here and you're on a five day hunt and what elk do a lot is they do a lot of rotation from areas. Yes, right. They do. So they can be in an area today. They can be out of the area tomorrow. And, and that could happen for multiple reasons. It could happen because of other animals. It could happen because of poor vegetation. It could happen because of hunter pressure. It could happen because barometer changes and sends them, you know, winds so they go to another. I mean, there's all of these variables. Right. But what generally happens is once they disappear out of that, because elk don't eat themselves out of house and home, they do a rotation, rotate, man. Yep. Yeah. And especially if they have a bedding area in that area, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, they know all their bedrooms. They know what, and they know how it's associated to water. They know how it's associated to pressure. They know how it's associated to feed. Right. So I'm not, I'm, I got to be real careful of people thinking that I'm like going, it's bad to be a ridge runner. Absolutely not. If you've got bulls that are sounding off and I can come to a ridge and I got -wah, 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 going off in different places. So elk hunting is all about, first of all, locating an animal, right? Once I locate it, that's half the battle. Mm -hmm. So if you can locate it that way, then great. But if you've gone hiking for eight hours, hiking with your bow, and all you've do done is <laughs> <laughs> and, and all you've done is come to the conclusion that and and you go, well, the elk aren't running, the rut's late, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's too hot. They're not talking, right? You know, if that's all you can do, then what are you gonna do for the rest of your hunt, man, mm -hmm. if they're in that mode? One of the things that I, I think too, and I've been again, this is something that I've experienced myself, is I think when you're focused on when you're focused on that, right? When you're focused, I don't want to keep calling it the ridge running either. When you're focused on those bull sounds, that excitement, the sex appeal, you're emotionally invested, right? Mm -hmm. We're emotionally invested in all of it, but we're, we're always switched on. It's, it's our testosterone versus their testosterone, whether we admit that or realize that or not, that's what's going on. So now you are ready and right. And that's that, the red knob is flipped up and that trigger switch is right there exposed. So when that bull does start piping off and he wants to bugle at you and then that's all you know, 
we allow our emotion to take over in that sex appeal realm and we want to bugle back and forth and cut them off and chuckle, 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 chuckle. And we're challenging and we're trying to be the bigger, the batter, the bull. And then all of a sudden we're emotionally charged. We're, we're wrapped up in this emotionally charged testosterone battle with this bull that we're supposed to be trying to kill. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we lose the situation because of that. Right. And I you think, absolutely can misread the situation, well, but you're not, you're not, yeah, even, not reading even, it yeah, at that not point, even reading it. Right. You're just like, I'm battling. I'm going back. He's, he's tooting at me. I'm yeah. tooting at him and you're out doing him. You're cutting him off. He's trying to cut you off. And then boom, situation is blown. So how many of the listeners, how many of you guys out there right now that have hunted elk for one to six years have come back to camp and said, dude, it was awesome. We were screaming back and forth at each other, but he just wouldn't come in. And then he ended up going away. How many times? I mean, there are thousands of that story being told in camp because so many times, just because we hear a bugle, we think that animal is engaged with us. And we bugle back and he responds. It's like he's responding to us. Well, he's responding because of you. He's not responding to you. You know, and that, again, that's like that knowledge set that you're talking about. You, we don't realize that a bull that is staying his place and responding or is actually moving away as he's responding is doing that because he has cows and he's not responding with that bugle to tell me that, Hey, I'm engaged with you. You know, you better shut up. I've got girl, blah, blah, blah. And the testosterone levels rising, right? No, he's doing it to tell his girls, Hey, I'm, I'm right here. here. That's it. I'm your guy. Right? Yep. So when you hear that other voice, I want you to hear my voice. Hey, 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 it's basically doing that. You know, a bull goes over there and those cows, they perk their ears and that bull's just like going, hey, 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 whoa, I'm here, mm -hmm. right? And now here's the thing. Let's say that that happens at, it's happening at eight o'clock, right? 7.38 and you've got that going away from you, right? Well, so a lot of people get in a situation, they're going, well, He's just pushing his cows away. He's scared of me, right? He's running away from my calls because he thinks I'm this big, bad bull. No, I, I, I have not really heard many people. There's very few people I've heard in the woods that can truly at a distance when you're in the trees sound like a big, bad bull. Sounds like another bull. It doesn't really sound like that big Mac Rasping daddy, Carol, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. The monarch. So, so that guy's now moving. He's going with, he's just following cows. He's going mm -hmm. to a destination, right? Now, here's the thing. If you can not trail that booger, if you can get up and try to get on the downward parallel of him as much as possible, and even if you can't, if you trail him even, right? And you just go, go, go till that clock gets to 10, 10 30, 11 o'clock. And all of a sudden, now he's piping from the same area. Now, the situation that you're talking about, if you have the knowledge set, has changed because they have gotten to their destination. So once you have that bull at his destination, now he can become territorial or possessive, right? So now you can actually change the game. So the hard part is when you're going to kill a bull, you got to kill him where he's at, where he's been all night long. Manage possibly to have the skill set if you're in the transition, but that's a tough one. That's tough. It's real tough. Or 
once they've gotten to their destination. So it's where he's starting out from or where he's going to, or a satellite that is tracking that bull as well. So, okay, so you said two things, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna rewind this a little bit. You said get back to camp, right? We get back to camp and we're telling that story and and the bull just wouldn't come in or the bull hung up, you know, and, and, and that's the conversation, but I think that's when you need to evaluate the situation you created, right? That's part of the situational awareness. Evaluate that situation you created before you start, sounds bad, before you start making the excuses, before you let the cop out of the bull hung up, he wouldn't come in, whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. Have that conversation at night, right? It, it, it's fun to go to camp and talk about that, but you know, have the conversation and evaluate what happened. Talk to the buddies, right? This is what happened in this scenario, and this is what the bull did just let that cycle and think about it, think about it, think about it. And you're going to figure out what you did wrong. And it wasn't the bull. Um, transition is rough. <laughs> it's, it's, it's rough, but if you can get on the parallel of them, it's possible. Right. But I, I think what happens is, is we, we see them in transition because we're either at a or just outside of a, and, and instead of what's going yeah, to be and they're going to be well we want to we want to stop where we're at and try and turn Bring them, them to around yes, to come not, to a and not a half happening. it's not going to happen it's not happening they may stop turn around and look at you but they're not going to stop going to be yeah right? and he, he may stop for a while and sit there and just keep screaming as well but as they're moving away and then all of a sudden he turns and goes oh heck and takes off and mm -hmm. now he's another 300 yards past you yep you know, yep. I think that that's but that's part of that situational awareness. And I think there's a lot, you know, we, we hear it all the time, right? The failure is the best teacher. And that's a lot of where I speak from. Um, and no, we and all, if you're elk hunter, you, we all do. Right. Yeah. But that but that is really it's it's one of the things that I value in my elk pursuit the most. And it sounds odd <laughs> to strike out. But that knowledge base increases if you're if you're having those conversations and you're really paying attention to it. And I tell people all the time, journal it. You could dictate right into your phone as you're in the woods, right? You know, and and just look at the entire situation, and then you'll start going into, you'll start walking into the woods, and your evaluation starts immediately, right? Immediately, and there's some, there's a level of that that just comes along with years of hunting, right? right? Um, like when we talk, when I don't think about the when, like I feel it on my neck, I feel it on my ears, I feel it on my face. I know what I should be doing right. and what I'm approaching. Right? So it's, it's no longer a, a thought process. It's right. something that's ingrained, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in, in, there's so many people that they get when, especially people that even they come from back East, they get when they don't get thermals. They don't quite understand right. that. They don't understand the intricacy and, and, and how thermals can be different from one location to the other, mm -hmm. from one area in dark trees or in bright areas, so wherever the sun warms up or it doesn't, down in a creek bottom or up on a ridge top. You know, thermals react accordingly to sun. Anytime the air heats up to a certain temperature, it rises. Anytime it's at a certain temperature, it falls, right? One of the one of the cool things, right? If you're you know, if you're working those benches, you know, depending on what the thermals are doing up and down, you come into a little park. Say mm -hmm. that park is 70 feet across by 100 feet, you know, the other direction. And that's a hole in the canopy. It is. Take that wind checker out. Stay off of that sunlight and puff that. You'll watch your air rise. And if you can see that powder puff, 
you watch that powder puff and it gets where it where it's dark timber again yeah it drops back down goes in the woods and and guys will walk right through those areas it's like skirt around it nope shortest sh shortest path between a and b is a straight line well sometimes that straight line is blowing the top of that hill up if you're going to walk through that little park you know you skirt around it well so, and the thing you talk about is not just the thermal but the wind yeah because wind does things according to the terrain as well yes, right sir. absolutely so I mean, you can actually have the wind in your face right here. And even though it's in my face, if I hit, if I go across that other side and there's a little bit of a curve to a funnel, that funnel becomes a suck, yep. right? And that wind actually starts blowing. All of a sudden it switched from your face to hitting you on the side of yep. your ear to going around that curve and becoming a suck yep. and that funnel going right to that critter. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, right? Because you, I think that lends itself to, well, I haven't heard anything. I haven't seen anything. Right. And I, and I, man, I got to. Gilbert had a situation that he talks about, and I, I think I've heard it on the podcast three or four times. And I had a situation where it was the same thing. Right. And, and the guys, you know, I bugle, these guys bugle at me. Um, when I realize, yeah, I'm not going to tell the whole story. When I realized <laughs> it was hunters, I was like, okay, the problem that I had is they were coming with the wind in my face, I mean, just beeline at me. And I mean, you could hear him chuckling, get closer and closer and closer and closer. And, and, and Gilbert's story is the same way. And he actually got to talk to the hunters and they're like, man, we hadn't heard a bull. We right. hadn't seen a bull and they're just willing to run in. Well, you're never going to see that animal. Yeah. If you do that situational awareness, right? Slow right. it down. If you engage with that animal, you know where he's at. You're not going to do anything but blow the entire situation. If you haven't seen an animal in a week, slow the crap down, figure out what's going on, or you're not going to see that animal and you're going to drive away in seven day, you know, your seventh day wondering, man, we only had one encounter. So let's talk about goals. And, and one of these goes back to what you were talking about before and where, where you're bugling back and forth with this bull. Is your goal just to have a bugle fest or is your goal to kill that animal? So, you know, it's all great that you got to scream back and forth and you got to experience that. But that's it. You're at the zoo, man. I mean, you're just experiencing that part of right. it. You have, you know, unless you know how to read the situation and then do the things that it takes to... Well, maybe I don't need to be bugling at that bull. Okay, it was fun and fine. Maybe I don't need to. If he's sounding up, man, I should be humping my butt up there to get parallel on the downwind mm -hmm. side. If he pipes off, why do I have to respond to him? He's advertising as he's going from his feed to up to his bed with those cows. A bull, the, the time you will hear a bull bugle the most is once they hit the trees because Whenever a bull can see his cows, he doesn't have to bugle. When he's not able to see, and this, depending on how big that group is, he, the bigger the group, the less he's going to see, the more he's going to scream going from nighttime bed to daytime bed, man. So we hear that and we're like, oh, man, he's, he's worked up. No, he's not worked up, man. He's just letting those cows know where he is as he's going. So... That's that's one of them. And the other one is these guys that hadn't seen or heard an elk for a week. Well, I tell people, man, elk hunting is just as tough on you, on your mental endurance as is your physical endurance. Yeah, more more the mental. <laughs> yeah, and you got to stay in the game. 
and here's the thing about elk hunting is that game can change in a moment, mm -hmm. right? So here you've been hunting now. You haven't seen or heard an elk in a week. Now you hear an elk, so you're going to abandon every bit of elk hunting knowledge that you know yep. just to run down there and finally see an elk? Okay, if your goal is to see the elk, now you probably have a very small chance of that happening because you haven't paid attention to the wind. It's blowing down your rear end. And because you've heard an elk down there, you're going to race down there to try to see something that you're not going to see. And you're not going to kill it. And you're going to spook it out of the country because your scent's going right down to them. So, I mean, that's the thing is if you haven't seen an animal in a week and you finally get a response, the first thing that you should be doing is going, licking that thumb. Yeah. Where's that friggin' wind going? Yeah. Where am I at? Do I have to go a half mile in this direction just to make sure I don't blow it out of there? I know where it's at. I can look at my GPS. I got it marked. What's the time of day? If it's early morning daylight, that booger's still down there for a little bit right here. Um, if I haven't had a moonlit night out there, he's going to be out there a little bit longer, right? If I'm hearing two bulls down there bugling with each other and it's a bachelor group because it's earlier, even longer because they're not going to be chasing cows, right? So I kind of have that. So I've got to get in position to get to where I can have the best opportunity because my goal is to kill the elk. Mm -hmm. It's not to just scream with one. Well, I, and I think trying to be nice about everything I, I i think too is we we feel like you're never nice to me bro <laughs> I, I, we, I feel like we we feel like it's successful when we have an encounter but i think there is a caveat to that and it's what type of encounter did we have did we speak the language and maybe we just didn't get the kill and 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 evaluate what we're doing because going back and forth on the bugle tube is right. ah, like it's great but it's nothing to it's nothing to in my it, for me. It's mm -hmm. nothing to pat myself on the back for. I don't want the kudos in it. Did I speak the right language? Did I get him to respond to me and take action and move to me um, in that? Yeah. And then part of what we're talking about too, right? Situational awareness, right? Evaluate, plan, implement, plan some more. Like that is that is my path as I'm walking down, right? Evaluate, plan, implement, plan some more. I, I just keep telling myself that. I might tell myself that it sounds hokey, but every 200 yards, Yeah, you know? Well, and here we are already. We've just spent, I don't know how much time talking about the bugles and what they do, right? And we really haven't talked about probably the most effective thing to get them in is I'm always a lover before I'm a fighter. Mm -hmm. I, I truly believe that now a location bugle, fine. Because proximity is everything, right? Right. So at a distance, at a distance, I really don't freak that bull off out, right? Mm -hmm. But once I get to a certain proximity, me acting as another bull is going to have an effect, a whole different effect on the situation, like we were talking about, than rather me being a lost calf or me being working on a cow mew in now and getting him to respond to me as a cow. If he responds to that, you know, there are so, there are so many different sounds and yet everybody gets hung up on a bugle. There's so many bull sounds that could even be more effective than that bugle. You got raking, you got huffing, puffing, glunking, 
right? Wines. Mm -hmm. You know, you have all of these sounds that aren't the same old rodeo that every hunter in the woods is using. 90, 96% of the hunters out there are using basically the same tool set, right? So we spent all this time talking about just the bugling when really we should be talking about, all right, what are the other things that we could utilize in these situations? This again now is coming to knowledge. This is where hunters actually have to start learning things. And look, I don't know how many guys we had shooting the course yesterday, right? I think it's great. I've seen the most incredible equipment out here. I'm seeing arrows that are tuned to, I mean, to hit dimes. At, look, look at there it is right there behind yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, incredible equipment. Bows that are costing, you know, $1,200 to $2,000. I'm seeing some of these people wearing clothes out here that is just unbelievable. We have the best equipment ever, but yet in the last 10 years, the percentage rates for success haven't changed mm -hmm. because we're focusing on the wrong things. Right. Right. So what you said, as far as the situational awareness, I can do the easy and the easy is get a response from an animal. The hard is going to be knowing what to do with that response so that I can bring that animal in and kill that animal. Right. And sometimes it's even this. Sometimes the best medicine is to just shut up mm -hmm. and let it happen or to move in on an animal if he's screaming. And then you have to read the variables that are going on as to what you're going to do from there. So I, I, I think, I think we're saying the same thing that the most critical thing to situational awareness is first of all, having enough knowledge set yes, to be able to recognize what's happening. Yep. Right. Yep. And I think we ignore it. I don't know that we ignore it, but we get, again, it goes back to that emotional thing, right? We're emotionally vested in this, in this year long, four-year-long, five-year-long pursuit of that monarch. You know what I mean? Not only that, when you come to a place like this and you come out and you crank out a gnarly old bugle, you turn heads. Yeah. We we like to turn heads. You walk around your cow call or you just do a little buzz or you start going, <laughs> you ain't turning no heads. No. Isn't that funny? <laughs> and, and think about the heads that are turning because of those bugles they don't have fur and there ain't no antlers attached <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. there might be a few devil horns in it here and there but yeah it's it's an interesting thing for me to watch it i mean just like you're talking about right uh jeff he's over here and jeff can jeff can call jeff can bugle he's oh yeah a monster on the tube mm -hmm. right but let, let's hear the other stuff well and here's in and i think jeff has that tool set but mm -hmm. here's so cool when we were talking about that yesterday is, you know, I, I told him, look, I've taken 36 elk in 38 seasons. 35 of those, I have never used a lip ball ever with any of those. And, you know, he's like, you know what, dude, man? He says, I think I blew out three opportunities last because year because I went to it. Yep. Right? And, you know... But it again, you talk about the sexy, right? It's uh, it's showing a skill that impresses other people that we think are going to impress the elk the same exactly. way instead of reading the situation, yes, right? Sir. 
Yep. Yeah. And and going in again, knowledge base. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Cool, my brother. So wait a minute. Where can they get that knowledge base? <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, man. Um, look, I'm real proud of where Elk Bros is gone. You know, and if you take a look at, at what we're doing, we have Elk Bros, we have Elk Bros Adventures, we have the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast, and we have our Blue Collar uh, Academy, which has our base camp online course. Look, if you're not listening to free nuggets that we're giving out on our podcast, if you want to save yourself some money, then spend some time. Mm -hmm. Come listen to our BS for a little bit and listen to all the nuggets that we drop. Because our goal is to teach all of y'all out there how to become more successful in the Elkwoods, how to not have an encounter, but how to create those encounters. Because it's all about odds, man. It, it's just like anything. The more opportunities, if I go to the circus and I spend 20 bucks for one ring to throw on a bottle, man, I might as well be just chucking that 20 bucks away. Yeah. But if I'm spending that 20 bucks on 15 rings, there might be a good chance I hook one of them things, mm -hmm. right? So you're trying to press the odds. You're trying to create encounters. And the way you create encounters is by doing the elk things that elk do to bring them into you, you know? And I mean, the... In the seminar yesterday, I talked about, and I'll cut this off, man. I know you no, were no, trying no, to get there, good. but yesterday I talked about, I always look at elk hunting as kind of like being in Walmart with my wife, right? And I hate shopping, so it has nothing to do with But, you know, I mean, if I'm looking for my wife in this building, I can be walking down aisle number one and only five yards away but over on the other side of the aisle, she's walking in another direction. I am that close to her, and yet I have no clue. She might as well not be in the store. Now I go and I walk through that aisle, and she's in another one. We're just missing each other, right? I can do this for a friggin' half hour in that <laughs> store just trying. But if I was in aisle one, and, and she's in aisle two, and I yelled out, Loretta! Well... I'm definitely going to create an encounter, right? <laughs> May not be one you like. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, is, man, we're in the woods, and we have animals within a vicinity that we don't even know exist because we're not able to verbalize and create encounters, man. So that's the whole idea of what we do in base camp. We're, I'm sharing with you guys out there, I'm sharing 40 years of experience 40 years in the woods, learning it the hard way so that you don't have to. And look, I'm a coach. I do this in my coaching style, and it's totally different from anything you ever see. So if you have, I don't care what your experience set is. I, I guide with guys that have got 15, 20, 30 years guiding, but because they're guiding in the same places, you know, and know the same areas, they don't have to worry about a lot of these skill sets, man. You know what I mean? Right. And especially if you're on private where these animals are going to come into just about anything. So I find out there's a lot of people missing in that elk knowledge. I don't care how many years you've hunted. Mm -hmm. So I guarantee you could learn a nugget or two going through our base camp. Go listen to our podcast. And, and look, you know, you asked me where they could learn it from. We're not the only ones out there. You know, you got the Elk Collective. You got Corey Jacobs's Elk 101. You got Chris Rowe that does incredible oh, things on behavior out yeah. there, right? You got Paul Medell who is giving away. I'm telling you, 
Well, I say giving away because you can buy his app with all of his knowledge sets on there. Bucks. It's I, I think it's eleven, isn't it? Is it eleven? Yeah, it I might it's like, be. Yeah, ten ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Paul, I mean, we're like brothers from another mother, man. I mean, we think alike. We, you know, it has that same experience in the mountains of dealing with animals that that if you go listen to these people, man, get as much knowledge. As much knowledge <laughs> as possible, man. That's, That's the key right there. If you want to go from that 95% unsuccessful, right? And I say that people, they say that people, you know, 10% are successful every year. Well, I'm telling you about 5 to 8% of those people are the same people doing every it. Every single year. Every year. Exactly. Yeah. So, and so that's where they can do it, dude, is, is go out there and learn. Go check out Elk Bros, E-L-K. B-R-O-S dot com. From there, you can find anything. All right, my brother. I appreciate the time. We have the uh, seminar today here at Mountain Archery Fest. We got the, I can't, I'm excited. There's a kid that walked up yesterday that yeah. put the grinder in his mouth. And I'm excited to see that dude get up on stage this afternoon for the call. Oh, man. You know, you know, it's so funny because ever since the grinder came out, which is our signature elk call, diaphragm, you know, not only did we have that kid did that, I had an eight-year-old girl yep. come up, put that in her mouth, and start cranking out bugles yesterday, man. So that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's cool awesome, stuff. Man. I, that, it's one of the reasons I love these events is because you have all these like-minded people and you get to see people in the same struggle and trying the same. So, all right, Elk Bros booth is getting busy. Yeah. You got the... Uh, I call it the Vitalaki's camo, but the shirts, the hats, the grinder. Get going, my brother. Thank you. Hey, thanks a lot. Always. <laughs>